Hello and welcome, United by Calcio listeners. I am your host, Christian, and I am joined, as always, by the one, the only, the crankiest Inter fan I've ever met in my life, Robbie. I'm not that cranky, but yes, sir. I like how you had to, you know, defend yourself there. Yeah, time. yeah. Can't just. Oh, okay. Well, can't I'm, throw I'm those shots. I'm, yeah. I'm actually sorry. They're, they're, you're, but to be fair, you're joined by a cranky Juve fan, so. Yeah, I, we're not, on top yeah. of the world, baby. <laughs> Woo! Man, what an opportunity missed! What an opportunity missed! I, I just don't understand. Like you, like I, I know we don't count points, right? We don't count points. However, Inter have a game in hand, and they are currently up, right? One point, potentially four, depending on how that uh, game in hand works out, right? Again, we don't count points, but I'm just talking about a theoretical level here. Uh, um, that was a... I'm not even going to get into it. You know what? Let's just wait. Let's wait. <laughs> I can't do it right now. With that, listeners, thank you for tuning in this week. Uh, we are going to be discussing, of course, we're going to recap uh, match day. What was it, Robbie? I'm losing my my, my train of thought 22? here. 22. That's right. 21. Thank you. Match day 22. It's like half and half. I don't know. Crazy. So we're going to cover match day 22, do a little recap. We got a lot to get through here today. So with that, Robbie, let's just get right into it with uh, Atalanta Udinese. Uh, Atalanta having a pretty convincing showing here, right? They They come in and do their job and move on. Yeah, big winners of the weekend are Atalanta and Inter. Massive, massive, massive result for Atalanta. Can't say it more. Like, everyone dropped points that they needed to. The top, top, the two ahead of them. Roma, I mean, they're currently winning 2-0, so they'll be right behind them. But Fiorentina dropped points. Lazio, Bologna, Napoli. Go through them all. Atalanta, get three points. Big winners. And Skamaka gets on the board. It was a good goal. You know, that's what you want if you're Atalanta. You can't keep relying on Coop Miners and getting Skamaka to hopefully be back in that form that we saw with Sassuolo would be massive for them in their top four push. Absolutely. And uh, Decatelier, right? He comes up with a pair of assists there, a little brace of, uh, of his own. That brings him to three goals and six assists for this season. Um, you know, well, I, I think it's sort of, you know, obvious at this point, but he's definitely performing much, much better than he did uh, his first season in Serie A with Milan, right? Uh, I think we have to give him his due at this point. He's playing very well under this Gasparini system. Yeah, he's been playing great. Um, and he's 22, like yeah. we're we're being very critical. Like with Milan, it was of course wasn't that great. We didn't see what we wanted to see, and we're starting to see what we wanted. And he's performing. And maybe it's because this Atalanta has much more free flowing, like a lot more room for him to grow as a player, a person. Right. And while Milan are much more structured, like they're here to play for the title, while Atalanta are there for top four. Um Exactly. And so there's less pressure. Like, and so, I mean, he's thriving in it. Yeah. And we'll see how it continues to go. But it should be interesting. Oh, absolutely. It should be. I mean, this uh, Atlanta backline also held their own against Udinese, which uh, has, you know, Udinese has been a tricky opponent as of late for uh, a couple teams, right? I mean, they, they tied against Fiorentina. 
they pushed Milan to the very edge. And it was a pretty close game against Lazio, right? 2-1. So this team has a knack for creating um, creating every opportunity that they can, right? Uh, and let's not forget the Torino matchup uh, they drew against Torino. Uh, so tricky team, difficult to play. Uh, and Atalanta aren't exactly fantastic at home for whatever reason, right? So they're, they're not exactly like the, the kind of team that's known um, – for for a shutdown game in their home stadium um but that that aside doesn't really matter here they showed up they did their job moved on with that said uh skamaka gets on a score sheet like you mentioned earlier six goals two assists this season now uh his first season obviously with atalanta having come back from premier from the premier league rather uh he's doing pretty pretty well i mean he started eight games played 15 total what are we making of this i mean he's playing pretty well right yeah he's playing okay i mean for him you want consistency right and you want him to start scoring goals on the more regular yes only eight starts six goals in the 15 games but right you still expect more from him of course when you bought him as atalanta like Mm -hmm. you're expecting him to be among the top five to eight goal scorers yeah and granted he isn't played in every game or started every game so you got to give him some slack there but again you just want more consistency going forward can he keep getting on the score sheet and making impacts on the game and if he does atalanta should be right there at the end for that top four spot Absolutely. I mean, but, you know, that's what I think. Uh, I think you're right, right? We do expect more from him. Um, you know, they, realistically speaking, the transfer fee that I mean, that Atalanta rather pay, paid for him wasn't exactly earth-shattering, right? It was actually a pretty reasonable, uh, pretty reasonable low sum. Uh, maybe it's a little high for Atalanta, but nonetheless, I think it was a good, good deal uh, all in all. And we're looking at his total for the season with Atalanta, right? It's almost at his season, uh, his tally with uh, West Ham. Uh, he scored eight for West Ham. He's currently at seven with Atalanta. So not bad. I mean, when you, when you look at it, like he's started in eight games. Um, I'm not sure what his goal per 90 minutes is, but I'm pretty sure if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, he is in the top three per 90 there. Uh, I could be wrong. It's point, yeah, so it's point seven per 90. Not bad, again, for the minutes played, right? That's a good average to, to maintain. That's fair. Yeah. I mean, you make a sound argument. That is a very good, like, whatever, per 90. Um, you just want to see him on the field all the time, like, Absolutely. consistently doing it. Yeah. That's more where it is. Like, of course. the per 90s are nice, mm-hmm. but they are. Yeah. overall, you still want more goals. And of course. When comparing to West Ham, I, I wouldn't really say the West Ham stint went well. So no, it did not. Right. So it's tough. Like, you want him to do better than that. That's why mm-hmm. he left West Ham after a year. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, that's definitely true, right? Uh, that, that is something to, to keep in mind as well. Uh, he's only 25. Of course, he's got plenty of time, right? Uh, he's, he's got time to develop and really uh, grow into that role. How many strikers before him, right, have taken – uh, longer than quote unquote usual time, right? Harry Kane. How long did Harry Kane take to develop? And I'm not saying, by the way, that's Gamaka's <laughs> the next Harry Kane. Nope, not at all. 
I'm just saying that Skamaka can be a good striker, right? Some strikers develop later. Some players in general develop much later in life. So uh, when, with that said, though, Atlanta seem to be uh, on a bit of a roll here. They've won four out of their last five. The only uh, you know points that they dropped were against Roma and a draw there uh, at the Stadio Olimpico. So now they move up to fourth place and they put themselves in a good position. Granted, they're still about, you know, they're 10 points away from Milan. So uh, Milan had the opportunity there to be able to keep up some space, right? Keep increasing that space rather, but uh, they dropped some points, couldn't do that. So it gives uh, Atlanta an opportunity uh, in. Granted, still, you know, a few games to make up there, but with that, let's move on to uh, a surprising result uh, for me and I think for everybody else watching this game. Juve versus Empoli. Juve playing at home. Uh, this game was not, I mean, we were all expecting, I think, genuinely a continuing of this trend of two, three, zero games, right? Uh, did not expect the 1 1 draw against Empoli, especially not at home. And of course, this was all, it'd be sort of, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the fact that the reason all this sort of went off the rails was 17th minute Milik admittedly puts his boot up high on someone's ankle, studs up, not good. It, it was a red card. There was no argument there, in my view, anyways. And that the rest of the match just kind of goes that way. What are your observations? Yeah, I mean... That's a red card for me every time. Yeah. Like, it's just reckless. Like, you, he loses control of the ball. And the minute it starts going away from him, you know he's just going to throw himself into that challenge. And it's just something you cannot do. You can't have it. And he immediately puts himself and his team in a terrible position. From that moment on, Juventus are playing without a striker, so now you're going to really rely on Vlaovic to have to win you a game and rely on set pieces. There's going to be a lot more defending, which you know we know Juventus do well, but it's going to be a grinded-out game. And what, I'm not going to lie, when they scored that first goal to make it one nothing, I thought they were going to get away with it, and I was like, wow, that is <laughs> unbelievable that they are somehow going to still yeah. win this yeah. game. Right. Uh, but yeah, Boldanzi. Great, great finish. Um, what a finish. Yeah, I mean, that was beautiful. I do think Chesney maybe could have done something about it, but he might have been screened. I don't know that angle, but he just yeah, tried hard. the Handanovic uh, special and steer mm -hmm. it wide with his, uh, with his eyes, but yeah. still went in the bottom corner, shockingly. Um, yeah. You know, the eyes, the laser eyes that Superman has, you know, didn't get it away. Um, no, no. Nope. Doesn't work like that. Yeah, I mean, I would have liked to see Chesney lay out, see if he could have, because the yeah, shot yeah, really didn't have a ton of pace on it when you watch it back. It didn't, like it, but I mean, it was a good shot. It was well it, positioned. For sure, absolutely. Like, I don't know if he would have gotten it, but I don't know because we he didn't even try. He exactly, just watched right. it into the yeah. net. Yeah, he did. Um, Not to mention that in the 94th minute, we almost had yeah. another one of those Chesney moments. Yep. He just yep. turns it over. Mm -hmm. Thankfully for Juventus, the ref was just ready for the game to be over with. And he was like, nah, yeah. we're not having this because that net was wide open. Empley ball. I mean, whew, they got lucky. Yeah. 
well, uh, you know, lucky, uh, interesting word. I think this was punishment enough. And I, I know this is sort of, it's going to sound very, uh, very much like it's coming from a cranky, you know, Juventus fan here. I, I realize the form that this team has been in, right? We're talking about prior to this five wins uh, in a row. Last five games have been, uh, I think, by and far Juventus uh, first and foremost. Uh, but I think this game highlighted some of these obvious gaps that we've spoken about throughout the season. Part of it is Milik, yes, makes a horrible decision, right? Because he essentially leaves Juventus totally vulnerable for 80 plus minutes. That is never a good idea. I mean, sorry, 70 plus minutes. I'm losing my my math skills here. 70 plus minutes uh, with a man down. And yes, this is Empoli, but it's still a good, capable team to, to an extent. They can still park the bus. And you remind you, right after that red, they were playing very well. They were pushing uh, our, our defense constantly. And yes, Baldanzi's kick, our, our shot did not have much power, but it was a very good shot. He did a great job with that. Baldanzi's a great young, uh, up-and-coming young player, by the way. Uh, plenty more to sort of discuss there. But this Juventus team lacked any drive. Miretti lost the ball multiple times. He was subbed off in the 59th minute as well. He lost the ball multiple times in pivotal, pivotal moments. There was a, a point, I think it was the 45th minute, uh, I, I might be wrong on this, but time-wise, it was a point where he had the ball. We were like, if he had done a better job of protecting the ball, holding it, and passing it off, that could have been a goal opportunity right before the half, right? You score, and you go into to the second half with more momentum. That was not, that did not happen. He lost the ball. That was a couple of, uh, there were a couple of careless moments like that. Vlaovic, on the other hand, played pretty well. I'm obviously, he scored in this game. Um, 50th minute. Worked out perfect, um, but nothing else after that, right? That that was it. That was sort of the end of it. This was, in many ways, Empoli being allowed to dominate the game, and he did. I mean, 16 shots and five shots on target. They were harassing Chesney, and Chesney, Chesney made some great saves as well. Uh, I've got to give him that. Yes, he did almost, almost screw that up, but I, I think I said it's punishment enough to at home, draw against Empoli, uh, especially on the streak that you've been lately. And, and you know, yes, losing Milik is not great, but you have to do better there. I just find this... So, like, I understand where you're coming from. I get it. They still should have won the game, especially once they got to one nothing. It's just so hard for me to criticize how a team plays offensively right. when they lose a striker immediately. Like, because sure. the longer the game goes, the harder it's going to be for Juventus. Yeah. Of course so, like, especially with being the 17th minute when he got mm-hmm. the red. Um, Moretti, yeah, he missed a wide open chance in the right before halftime. He skied it over the net. Um, absolutely should have finished that. Um, but other than that, it just felt like Juventus weren't really creating much. Um, I mean, Vlavic did well. It kind of just fell to him. Who better to fall to in that yeah, moment? Perfect. Um, but yeah, I there, there's not much more I can ask of Vlaovic in this game when mm-hmm. you just get isolated like that. Because he was Absolutely. asked to lo- do a lot more defensive work of course than he, was. he normally used to, has to. Right. Um, 
just like everyone behind the ball, defend for your lives. And <laughs> yeah, you gotta love that. Yeah. It, I mean, it was a good finish. One, one. It's a tough outcome because you still like, of course, going into this game, this is a must win. Yes. What we would call an easy win when you're playing at exactly. home against a lesser team. Um, massive, massive point for Empoli. Um, you get to stay in that fight. Mm-hmm. Like only one point off the drop now. So That's right. massive point for them, especially for them when they were thinking, okay, we're probably not going to, you know, get any points here. Um, like you said, when after the red happened that Empoli started dominating, like I think that was an instance where they just were like, okay, this is, we smell blood in the water. Right. Just let's go. Like right now, we got to get the momentum, like hit them right away. So don't give them hope. Um, yeah. And then just Juventus found their way into the game. They got the goal, but they just couldn't hold it. Yeah, I mean they, they just they couldn't do much of uh, much of anything there. I mean it was seventieth minute when Badanzi scores and uh, assist was provided by Luperto. Um, you know, Badanzi, were, uh, as I was mentioning earlier, what what a what a great player. And I mean, you know, if, if you look at purely stats, right, you can get stuck in that in that rut of thinking that. Well, you know, he's only got two goals and no assists this season. So, what, what's he really doing? But, but he really his stats don't speak uh, about the the job he does uh, in that midfield. There, he's pivotal to the way that this team plays when it succeeds. And uh, I, I can't speak highly enough of him. I mean, I I can't wait to see him with a bigger team uh, in a platform where maybe he has access to to, to better trainers and better uh, systems, right, to play play in and better players to to surround him. Because wow. Uh, just amazing, right? Yeah, and he even scored with his weaker foot, which which is even funny. Like <laughs> yeah. he's such a yeah. left-footed player and just slots that in with his right. Um, but yeah, I mean, going forward, he hasn't started a ton of games, so it's more right. you kind of hope he starts starting more games, especially mm-hmm. in an Empoli side that are just hoping to stay up. Like they will sell him if they go down, of course. Um, of course. And. Yeah, he, he's a good player. He's only 20 years old and yeah. making an impact in that moment at the Allianz. Like, that's that's a big moment. It is. And you could see it, it with is. his, of course, in his reaction to the goal. Like, heck yeah, that's probably the biggest goal of his life. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's a, it's a way to do it. And uh, another player who performed very well for uh, Empoli in this game was Male. Uh, he had a great game. Great game overall. Really controlled. I mean, I you know, if you listen to the game... <laughs> a lot of the commentary was focused on him. His name was being said more often than anything else. And uh, he was harassing that Juventus defense constantly. Now, again, going back to that Juventus defense, it wasn't a, exactly the great, greatest game here. Um, Sandro's playing. He was uh, wearing the captain's armband. You know, you sort of look at that, at least from my point of view, and, and just kind of wonder, that probably wasn't the best Right setup, uh, probably some limitations, unfortunately, because you know Danilo could uh, could not really play in this game. He was on a bench, sure, but like he, he's tired. I, I think he's just you got to rest him. He, he's been working uh, pretty hard as of late, so it does sort of show some limitations. You mentioned earlier that Chesney should have done a better job, and I do agree with you. I still think he did a pretty good job during this game. He definitely saved Juve uh, from at least one or two goals, right? 
so he, he definitely performed there there were there's always sort of that uh moment with him right where he sort of decides to do something zany and you wonder why today of all days he chooses to do that but luckily it didn't turn anything into anything too bad worked out in the end uh surprisingly quiet though in this game was Zerkowski, right especially after his uh, electric performances uh, as of late yeah <laughs> you know water found its level um <laughs> you know yeah. not scoring at all in Serie B four goals in his first two games and then you know you play Juventus and you find your level you know you don't score goals <laughs> um, yeah shocking but yeah right yeah I was probably. probably too hard on Chesney he could have done better on the goal but he did play really well in this game outside the last minute, whatever right. gaff, I guess, which doesn't really matter because the whistle blew right away. Um, but still, like, he played well. He made a lot of saves. Like, the expected mm-hmm. goals on target were 1.4, and they only scored one, which I imagine that one probably wasn't even that high, more because of where it was shot from. Um, so, yeah, he played well, above average, which is unlike him at this point, but that's... That's for me when I look at Juventus. That's a big their weakness, yeah. um, and Absolutely. just inexperience in certain positions. But I think they'll be fine overall. Um, but this is one thing you for them they they gotta have a short memory, um, yeah. like they say in Ted Lasso. Gotta be a goldfish because that's right. You're on to enter. That's right. Exactly. We cannot uh, can't be stuck in this game. And obviously, Danilo is going to be critical this week. We cannot have Sandro in the back there. Uh, I really hope that doesn't that's not how that works <laughs> out. But uh, with that said, uh, you know, I, I don't want to end this conversation about this uh, this game without just making sure we, we talk about Vlavic, right? Because he, he really is on fire. Six goals now uh, this month. Twelve goals this season. Three assists. Not bad. Not bad. He's catching up to Lautaro, right? He's getting He's getting closer and closer. Just nipping at the heels, sort of, maybe. I mean, still, what, seven goal difference, but, you know, it's all right. He'll get there, hopefully, maybe. Yeah? Is, um, that, a, is that a hot take? It's not a hot Do take at all. wins I mean, top goal scorer? He could. I mean, it would require, uh, if I'm being honest, it would require Lautaro also quieting down, right, for pretty significantly for that to happen. Because if he keeps up a steady clip of every other game kind of scoring, right, there's no way he's catching up. Unless he's throwing in, you know, braces and hat tricks left and right, um, and I don't see that happening. Could be wrong. Who knows? Anything yeah. is po- is possible. But he's been playing really well, uh, so I've got to give him to uh, give that to him. I am definitely one of those people that's been overly critical of him at times. So you know, when you criticize, in my view, you also got to compliment when things are going well, right? You you, you got to have both sides of that coin covered you can't just talk crap when things are not going well and the players playing like you know crap and then not acknowledge their good play so he's been doing a much better job of holding up playing with his uh body his uh you know knack for complaining constantly is getting really really old not gonna lie the constant arm flinging in the air every 15 seconds like i I mean did we forget it's like, I just want to, I want someone to go up to him and just say, you're six foot three, like 200 pounds, probably you're going to get harassed and that's going to happen. Like, that's just how this works. 
right? Like that's not going to stop. Yeah, I mean, I just don't know. Yeah, it is what it is. It's that's a striker mentality, you know. Well, yeah. I said this a while ago. Like goals fix everything. Once once that's you start right. scoring, you stop yeah. caring about what other things they're not doing 100%. well because the goals are going coming in. So he's scoring, so everyone doesn't care about anything else, which is great. Like that's yeah. that's a striker. That's exactly what it is. Like, well, hopefully it keeps going, right? Yeah, as long as it keeps going for you, he's sure. good. But we shall see. We shall see. Plenty of uh, plenty of time left this season uh, for him to you know get up to to thirty goal mark. There, um, you never know. But with that, let's move on to another draw and a bizarre one at that because uh, Milan played Bologna at San Siro, and you had a pretty incredible performance by Loftus Cheek, right? Uh, two two goals there, a nice brace. Xerxes scores, scores his eighth of the season. And then Giroud misses a penalty. Hernandez misses a penalty. And you're just kind of stuck holding your head like that should have been at least one goal there, right? Yeah, th- this game was awesome. Like, it was <laughs> uh, Not yeah. that this is from a neutral perspective, not right, an right. perspective. Like, it was awesome. It had everything. Like, controversy. Yeah. It had goals. Like, it was great. Had some unbelievable runs. Like, but yeah, ultimately, we talked about this before on previous podcasts. You need to have a player who scores penalties consistently, consistently. And I get it. Like Drew is generally pretty consistent. And if the keeper dove the wrong way, we wouldn't say that was a bad penalty because it would have gone in. No, right. But it wasn't a great penalty because the keeper went the right way it yeah it wasn't enough in the corner he hit it with Mm -hmm. decent pace but it just was on the ground like right probably like a couple feet from the post so scrupsy was able to get there Mm -hmm. if they're gonna guess the right way you gotta be able to slot it by him like just leave no doubt and then tail my big criticism is you have to know that once that hits the post don't touch it. You, yeah. That's a common rule. Like you just, you just know the play is dead if you touch that ball. You can't double touch a ball, and right. it's, he just scores. Like the minute that went in, I was like, that definitely isn't counting. Like he's blatantly double touched it. There's no even chance that Scrubs he got a hand to that. Um, right. so that's what bothers me about that one. But what a run from Leal to. <laughs> earn the penalty, which is bothers me yeah. more. Like, why wasn't he the one taking the pen? And they even said after the game, like, I'm yep. taking the pen. Like, he just ran from his zone half, beat three guys. The defender even stopped looking at Leao and mm-hmm. just put his head down and started sprinting. Like, he's like, I'm not catching him. I can't even look at him right now. I just got to know I have to get to that box before I can right. even think about defending. His sole purpose was just... <laughs> I need to get there. <laughs> Rival mode. And then as soon as he does, his focus turns on and just slaps him across the face. Like, all right, there you go. <laughs> There's the pen. <laughs> here here you have it. I mean, again, that, I don't think as much needs to be said about uh, Lau's ability, but he uh, that, that's, what, that's what he can do. He can disrupt a game like that. And when you're handed an opportunity, why not have Lau take it? Why not have Polisic take it, right? 
Um, just try something. Try something, right? Um, you have the first one missed. Why is Leao the, the I mean, uh, sorry, not Leao. Uh, why is Teo the first person next up on that list of penalty takers? How does that even work? I mean, you've got Leao, who clearly is plenty, I mean, he's plenty capable in front of goal. And you got Polisic, who's playing very, very well, right? Why not give it a, give it to one of them? Hell, why not give it to Loftus Cheek? Yeah, give him the hat trick. Fair. I mean, for me, it's more these guys know who are their penalty takers. In my mind, do. I at least feel like that is known. Pulisic is a good penalty taker, um, at least from watching him with the USA. Um, right. I'm not familiar whether Loftus Cheek or Leao are actually good penalty takers. Um, same with Teo. I know Giroud is a solid one. Mm-hmm. But I would have probably given it back to Giroud. Um, but I think he was off. He was off the field at that point. Um, yeah, he was. Yeah. But still, I guess like you should have probably a second guy who can consistently yes. do it. That's right. Teo hit it well. Just of course, post like you just inches matter. They, so, yes, they do. Like Absolutely. if it was three yes, inches to the left, that's a perfect mm-hmm. penalty. So it's it's tough. Like yeah, it is. He missed. That's it. At the end of the day, that's what it is. Every sport is a game of inches. Oh, hundred percent. I mean, and and then you know you you gotta you gotta love the fact that Orsolini is the sort of difference maker, right? He they still had an opportunity to win this game. They still had an opportunity to keep this game at two one, right? Even with all those misses on in front of the penalty, uh, in front of the box rather. So the issue is. You can't give that penalty up at that point. And they did. And they gave Orsolini, who's a great player, the ability to be able to turn the game into a draw. And guess what he does? Not shocking at all. And he's been injured for a while, by the way. Uh, so the thing is, he scores on his on, on, on this penalty uh, kick. And, well, there there you have it, right? 2-2. And, and, and Milan lose some momentum. They could have had 48 points. But they're not at 48 points. They're 46 at this point. Which is, you know, it is what it is at this point, right? Uh, they're not going to really, they can't think about that for too long. But their, their run as of late has been pretty pretty good. At least this is a draw. They took one point away at the very minimum. Do you think this affects them? Or more importantly, do you think this reveals some holes that, that have to be plugged up? No, not necessarily. Like, Milan are a good team. Like, they're still easily in third. Um, they missed two penalties. If they score those two penalties, it's a win. Like, it or one penalty for that matter. Like, so that's the thing. It's hard for me to criticize. Like, they played well. They took a lot of chances. And then, like, Loftus Cheek played, had a great game. And if they scored one of those penalties, we'd be talking about this differently. Um, however, Terracino has got to know better in that moment. And he's lucky that it was only a yellow. Like, I'm stunned that I get it. It They gave the pen, so they're probably going to be more lenient on the card. But that's a blatant denial of a goal-scoring opportunity. Like, he just tugs him down. Like, it's a tap-in. I'm surprised that they didn't give him a red with the penalty. Because it's just, like, if he doesn't get, te- like, dragged down, it's an automatic goal. 
it would be impressive to miss that chance. Um, yeah, yeah. Like for me, Absolutely. like I thought Milan played well. They just they just missed their pens. Like it's, and then the other team, of course, took care of their pens. Yeah, the the Xerxes really- goal mm-hmm. was a mess, but they probably should have just cleared that out. That's a criticism. Yeah. Like there was like a thousand shots. Fabian had two shots. <laughs> like and then Xerxes just kind yeah. of fell to him in back of the net. Um but yeah, that's really really Milan should have won this game. And credit to Bologna, I feel like Mata had every right to be mad about that first penalty. Um second penalty. Yeah, I mean, he got the red pen. card. Um yeah, he because he was just that's irate cool. with the the ref. Like it just felt like <laughs> Kyer puts his head in a really vulnerable position. I just don't know what you want Ferguson to do. Yeah, like yeah. he's going to kick the ball, and instead of Kyer going to kick the ball, he just throws his head down there. Like I get it. There's contact, but what? Like what are we doing? Like it just yeah, feels uh, like completely. why are you putting yourself in that position? And granted, he earned the pen. So yeah, props to him. It just right. felt like it probably shouldn't have been in my mind, mm. but oh well. I mean, you know, we've seen worse given, right? We've seen sure. far worse than that given. Uh, so, you know, the thing is like, it, yeah, some of those gonna are going to go, uh, you know, the, the each team's way at some point in the season. That's just the way I look at that. Uh, I think it all sort of one hand washes the other in that situation. And uh, as far as Terracciano, though, on that, on that tackle, yeah, I mean, he was lucky. Um, you know, we'll chalk this up to him being young. He's 20 years old. He just transferred in, you know, big game, big stadium, huge, huge impact, uh, on, on your psyche as you're pulling up to, uh, you're running onto the field there. Right. I mean, this is a historic venue with a historic team, probably emotions, a little nerve, uh, just sort of, uh, taking you the wrong way. He did get lucky. No red card. And uh, you're right. I mean, this wasn't like a Milan just were the worst team. It just was an unfortunate turn of events, right? Uh, and that la- if it wasn't for that bad tackle, right, but Terracciano, it would have been a different game still, right? If it wasn't for that, it would have been 2-1 win, and we likely would be talking about all the you know misses and everything, but it'd still be a 2-1 win. So you got to give it to Milan. They They performed still. They showed up. You also have to give it to Bologna for being persistent, right? I mean, they stayed in this game, and that is just as important uh, because we've talked about this team's ability to just hang in there. And, uh, well, they, they did, right? They did everything they could. Opportunities given, they took them. So, great job. Great job. Again, Tiago Mota, nice job with this team. I mean, seriously. Uh, limited resources, great job with this team. But with that, uh, let's move on to the next matchup. And, well, I think this was, you know, kind of a toss-up. We talked about this uh, last week, of course. The Monza-Sassuolo matchup. We weren't sure which way it was going to go. It could have gone either way, right? And it, it was sort of one of those matchups in, in, in our minds. Uh, Monza end up winning. My boy, Colpani, scores. Uh, you know, maybe maybe the first time in, what, two months? Yeah, I think it was like September. Oh, more than that. Okay. Wow. So there you go. It's been a while. It's been a while. He's been in a bit of a drought, but he scores. 
seals the victory for uh, Monza here. And, uh, well, I mean, what more can you ask, right? I mean, this team played well enough to, to get that victory. Uh, they're sitting in 12th right now, tied uh, with the, well, tied with Genoa. So what do we make of this game? What did you see? Did you like something? Did you hate something? What Tell us. Yeah, I mean, Sassuolo are certainly in danger of being yeah. relegated. Uh, they got these are type of ga- the types of games that you got to get points in. Like when you're playing the middle of the pack, not the elite teams. Like you got to find a way to get results. And it's not like Monza played that great. They played fine. They like Copani took his goal well. Props to him. That's great. Um, but it just felt like it was a very even game, and Sassuolo just didn't create a lot which is rare you kind of we've come to know in recent years that Sassuolo create a lot of opportunities um the one glaring reason of to that game was also because Berardi wasn't in it um which we say he, he, they go as he goes and Casalejo is just never the replacement for him it's just he's not that same player uh we saw it at Milan we see it now and he's just not that guy. Um, but yeah, Sassuolo just has to do better. They're only at 19 points. So that's two, one point above a relegation spot. Um, we're more than halfway, and every game is going to matter for them at this point. Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. Uh, it's definitely getting risky uh, for this team. I mean... We we're constantly talking about the fact that we oh we we don't think Sassuolo is going to remain in this sort of dangerous position, but uh, every every week that passes by, <laughs> I'm just sort of like wondering, uh, are we getting closer to seeing that happen? I re- again, I can't iterate just reiterate this enough. I do not want to see. I don't think anyone wants to see Sassuolo go down. This is a this is your sort of typical mid-table, upper mid-table team, right? They are an interesting, fascinating, entertaining team to watch, uh, more often than not. At least they have been in the past. And this is just a, a tough season, a really, really tough season. So you wonder, this matchup wasn't anything convincing. Mind you, they didn't play poorly, like you said, right? Their expected goals was uh, 0.76 here. So uh, they didn't really live up to that, obviously. They had 14 shots on target, uh, 14 shots rather total, three on target. So they had opportunities. Nothing that was clear, you know, cut, but like nonetheless, they had opportunities. They just didn't take them. You could say the same thing about Monza. They had 12 shots, one on target. Um, But it does sort of beg the question if this team goes down to Serie B, do we see Berardi leaving this team or do we see him sticking with this team uh, sort of like Del Piero during the, you know, forgettable season in Serie B for Juve? I think if if Sassuolo gets relegated, it's a 100% chance that Berardi leaves. Um, like same with Loriente. I bet Pinamonti leaves. I bet the majority of the team leaves. Um, Oof. Mainly because be they all can play on good quality teams, mid-table teams like Monza. Um, I would imagine Monza would get one of these, one or two of these guys and like a Bologna. Um, some of those Berardi, of course, you know, Juventus will come calling. Like you, you know, you want it. <laughs> so 
that could that's be right a, that could be a scenario um but yeah and i mean digagorio came back for monza in this game mm-hmm. which is great we love that <laughs> he played well um yeah, my big thing is Pinamonti, it's he played the full 90 and it feels like he didn't play at all he just didn't yeah. get quality touches you know he had the least amount of touches 22 Mm-hmm. which isn't uncommon for a striker to have like the least amount of touches, but still mm-hmm. you'd like to see him more involved in the game. Yeah. Um, probably didn't help that both his wingers were subbed off at halftime mm-hmm. slash like right after. Um, mm-hmm. But still like you just need, you want more out of those, those guys, you know, mm-hmm. we've seen they can provide more. Um, right. So that's, that's my thing with Sassuolo is I know they can do better. I've seen him do can. better. Absolutely. Loriente, I've seen him play incredible. And yeah. he is having an awful season in that regards compared yeah. to last season, at least. Like he was exciting mm-hmm. last year. He was like, all right, okay, this is a player. Like I'm putting my notes, him in my notes app and keeping track of him. Um, but no, he's he's been absent so many games. And part of the reason why they are in a relegation fight. It's just, it feels like Berardi is the only player who's actually like doing well. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that's definitely true. Now, when you look at the, the and, and there's some sort of some facts to back up your point about, this is not what you expect from the Sassuolo team. And it can definitely do a lot better. If you look at uh, their rank in, in, in Serie A for goals scored per match, they're ninth. That's not horrible. It's not great, but it's not horrible. Right. About halfway point. Comparatively speaking, Monza ranks 15th in that category. So this team, uh, this game rather, was sort of upside down, right? Uh, when, you, when you look at that. But also at the same time, Sassuolo have given up 18 goals, which is uh, rank, gives them an 18th rank there uh, out of 20 teams. That's not good. The reality is... Obviously, for Monza, Di Gregorio is a key player. He's number one in the league from uh, saves per match. So there's that going for him. I think on the other end of things, Sassuolo just doesn't have that going for him. Berardi is one player. Lariente, like you said, is not playing like himself. And unfortunately, Berardi can't do everything himself. Like he is, He's very good. And I think on a bigger team... I think he would spark these teams. I think we saw him in, in the Euros, right? When Italy won. He was dynamic at times. He was incredibly important to that team. But the issue ultimately comes down to soccer is not a one-man game. There are 11 players on the field. <clears throat> and at the very minimum, a few of them have to show up to play. And you rightly point out Pinamonti did not show up to play for this game. He was completely absent. It might as well have been that he wasn't there. And we were talking about earlier, he, you know, we were talking about Skamaka earlier, right? Pinamonti, comparatively speaking, has started 21 matches. He's played 1,700 minutes, and his per 90 rate, he scored seven goals this season, is .37. That is not good. No, not good enough at all. Like, if you want to be in the top half of Serie A, you got to score more goals than that. 
and you got to be more productive. He has no assists either. So yeah. it's not even like he's helping in that category. Um, Absolutely. And it's not like he doesn't have scorers next to him. Like Loriente can put it in the back of the net. Berardi definitely can put it in the back of the net. Absolutely. Um, so again, and it's hard when you look at Sassuolo and how poor mm-hmm. they're playing to blame it all on one person. We knew that they were a poor defensive team coming mm-hmm. into the season. We just thought they were a good offensive team. And when the goals don't flow offensively, they're going to lose a heck of a lot of games. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's what we're saying. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, and they're, they're getting dangerously close. I mean, right now, the only thing that separates them from Empoli is a measly two points. That's not much that keeps them from the very bottom of that league and into danger position, right? They're potentially looking at being relegated. And with relegation, I mean, we all know the stories, right? Uh, clubs don't fare well once they be once they sort of reach that point. They become relegated. Uh, the financial consequences of that cannot be overstated. Uh, and, and I believe it's an American ownership group, right, that owns Sassuolo now, but like... How much can they do, right? You saw what happened with Venezia once they went down. They've sort of stabilized, I guess, a little bit, but doesn't really, I don't know. It doesn't look hopeful that they'd be able to come back up and remain up again. I think Sassuolo would be, even if they went down, I don't think they're going to go down still, but if they went down, I think they'd come right back up. But nonetheless, it would be a very, uh, very big financial hit. With that said, we'll see what happens with these uh, with these two teams and with with Sassuolo specifically. There's still 16 uh, more games to play here, so plenty could change between now and then. Plenty of points uh, up for grabs. Uh, let's move on with that to uh, Lazio and Napoli at the Stadio Olimpico. Big matchup. Napoli had an opportunity here to capitalize on a much better performance uh, or series of, series of performances as of late, right? But they didn't. Yeah, I mean, this game was a snooze fest. Yeah. So Bologna-Milan, we would advertise as like, okay, this is a great league. Here you go. Watch this game. We're going to burn the tapes on this one. <laughs> it, <laughs> it was just a whole lot of nothing. Like, these teams were basically feeling each other out the whole time, and no one found a solution. Um, yeah. So well done defensively, I guess. <laughs> like, it, <laughs> like the, there weren't a lot of chances created. Like it wasn't a lot of big moments. Right. And which is interesting because when you think of Napoli and last season, you thought awesome football, great quality players that keep making plays. And I guess that's what happens when you don't have Osaman or Kavara in the lineup, which of course those are elite players, but you kind of hope hope for more. They only played two attacking players, Napoli, in Politano and Raspatori for their like starting lineup. Like Zielinski, Lobotka, and Demi are just not attacking players. Zielinski's a box to box guy. Like he he can attack if he can score a goal if you need him to, but yeah. That's a lot of hope for him to kind of lead the line to be that third option when usually that would be Kavara. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't, uh, well, it doesn't really help that, you know, 
You also got Osman obviously missing, right? So you've got that dynamic duo that was there all season. Um, obviously, he's he's doing just fine uh, in the African Cup, right? He's doing pretty pretty well. They just scored, I believe, in that mm-hmm. two two zero win for Nigeria. Uh, you know, hopefully he'll be uh, back soon for, uh, but not too soon, of course. <laughs> Don't want uh, Nigeria to, to lose the uh, Afcon there. But generally speaking, this team's definitely missing uh, Osimhen, uh desperately. Raspadori definitely, like you said, can't can't do everything himself. He's just he needs support, right? Politano didn't have a great game. Uh, Di Lorenzo was fine. Um, Nothing really spectacular from really anybody uh, in this game. Like you said, snooze fest. Surprisingly, no yellows being thrown at the coaches. So cool. That was that was nice to see, <laughs> at least in this game. Um, but yeah, there wasn't really much going on. I mean, this game was was really really tedious. And you're right. Like you, you this is not the game you put in the ad to uh, the average American sports fan and just say, hey, uh, you want to get hooked on Serie A, let's uh, bore the life out of you to the point where you really just never want to watch soccer again. This ain't it. Um, it, It's just, it makes you wonder though, because, you know, like I mentioned earlier, the last five games, Napoli have sort of rebounded, right? I mean, they had the 3-0 win against Fiorentina, 2-1 against Salernitana. Yes, they did lose, obviously, a 3-0 to Torino. And Drew with Monza before that, of course, more, most recently losing against Inter, but only 1-0. Again, I say that in their quotes there, one, only 1-0. What, where are they? Where is this team heading? Where, where will we see them at this point? Because if I'm being perfectly frank, there's no real roadmap. Looking at their performances, it doesn't exactly uh, spell anything clear out. Yeah, I mean, they're really just going to hope for fourth place at this point. They're only four points back, so it's not like they're way out of it. Um, for me, you really got to just kind of weather the storm until Osman gets back. Guevara's ready. Um, right. Because he was out of this game. And maybe you need Nganji to settle in. Because he was great for Verona, at least when I watched Verona, like he made good impacts. He, of mm-hmm. course, this was his first game for Napoli. I would have probably actually liked him to start over one of the midfielders. That way, you have that like uh, three attacking players rather than yeah. relying on Zelensky to do that role. Um, could have just start started him over like Demi um, instead of subbing in Nganji at like the 80th minute or whatever minute he actually came on. Uh, right. 80, 79th, yeah. But yeah, um, yeah probably would have started him. Um, for me, Napoli, top four. That's that's their goal. It's going to be tight. Yes. There's right. so many teams in that top four race, Lazio included. Lazio are two yeah. points above um, Napoli. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, like it's going to, there's so many teams that all have the quality to get that fourth spot, potentially mm-hmm. fifth again with the European spots up for grabs for, we'll see if they get a fifth uh, champions league spot. Um, so it's going to be close and they got to figure something out. Like Kavara clearly mentally isn't in the same place that he was last year. Osman 
he's clearly leaving after this season. That's pretty much been made clear in the news and De Laurentiis has said it. Um, so one last hurrah to get them in top four. How motivated is Osaman to do that? For him, I imagine health is key and just kind of getting consistent minutes. Well, he might not give that extra gear. And granted, look, he's a great player. He, of course, enjoys Napoli and loves their fans. But I also wouldn't want to risk anything. Like, he's a professional, so he should. Um, And I expect him to play well down the stretch. But we'll see. It'll be close. Yeah, it certainly will. And I'm not quite as, uh, I don't have as much faith. Yes, it's only a four-point gap between them and fourth, but I just, I don't have as much faith in this team uh, being able to accomplish anything there. Uh, I really see them, honestly, top six. Uh, and I mean, on the outside of that, fifth or sixth place is where I see them at this point, which, you know, fine. Uh, maybe maybe that gives them a chance to sort of reset a little bit. And uh, yeah, I mean, we, we heard the big, you know, sort of quote-unquote bombshell. I mean, if you can call it that. Uh, interview where Awesome essentially says, you know, he's already made up his mind. His his next step is clear in his mind, and uh, we could have a conversation here for the next ten years about how unprofessional that might be, uh, especially when when you're in the middle of a very difficult season in Napoli. And I can agree with that. Uh, genuinely speaking, that was if that was my teammate, I would not be happy with that. That would not be a comment. If he comes back from the AFCON, I'm not going to be exactly thrilled with that kind of a comment, right? Because you're struggling, you're trying to get back into the top four, you're going through all kinds of crap. You're one of your star players in Fada is not performing well. And you sort of wonder clearly there's something going on in the background, and it's been going on in the background the whole time, right? And you wonder if this stuff has always been there simmering, but there was maybe Spalletti keeping a lid. Uh, on all this, right? Uh, I, I don't know what what do you what do you make of uh, Osimhen having this? And he didn't exactly say in the soft manner. It wasn't like you know, we'll we'll see, but sort of tongue in cheek, saying you know, oh well, I'll definitely be gone, kind of you know, kind of way insinuating it. He was very much so out and out saying, I know where I'm going. I'm getting the hell out of here. There was no other way of of, of reading that. Yeah, it's not something you say because. Would he have said it if they were in a title race? Would he have said it if Spalletti was still coaching? Like, it's it's interesting. Like, I, it doesn't help Napoli for him to release that news. Because, one, their bargaining power, when it comes down to it this summer, it's going to be tough for them to sell him at the point that his highest price point teams are going to be offering lower and you're just going to have to hope there's going to be multiple teams like the Madrid or Chelsea um, to bid up and bid against each other rather than just kind of hope his price holds. And like, what if he doesn't play well down the stretch? Is his price going to stay the same? Cause for me, I think not, like he's an unbelievable striker. He's a professional. So he's going to put in the work and put in performances, but When push comes to shove and you need a goal in the 95th minute, can he find that extra gear for the love of the club? Like, that's something we're going to have to wait and see. Um, But yeah, like you said, if I was, if he was a player on my team, I would not be happy. 
similar to kind of how Lukaku handled his end at Chelsea. Yeah. He was basically yeah. did an interview and he was saying, oh, well, I miss Inter a ton. Like, if you're a Chelsea fan, you'd be <laughs> yeah. so mad. Absolutely. And as an Inter fan, I was also mad in that moment. Like, why? <laughs> why are you doing yeah. this interview? Yeah, exactly. You could have stayed. You chose money. Mm -hmm. That's on That's you. Um, but yeah, and for, I would think as a Napoli fan, you'd get, it'd be a slap in the face. You just had this awesome season. Yeah. And, and he's basically saying, no, you guys aren't good enough for me. Like I had bigger dreams, yeah. which is fine. Like Real Madrid is the biggest club in the world. You, you want to follow in D Didier Drogba's footsteps? Fine. Yeah. Like, be my guest. But do that in the middle of the season, like at the end of the yeah. season. I mean, like, don't do it now. That like this, it's just disrespectful to Napoli fans in my mind. Oh, it's completely disrespectful. I mean, the the, the reality is, uh, you know, after that high, and he seemed to be so uh, ecstatic, right, uh, about the, the the amazing season they had last year, right, and and everything seemed to be lining up perfectly for him to stay here for at least another one or two seasons, right. And then for it to all uh, seemingly end like this, and it's been, it's hard to see where the fault lies. And I think the, the fault probably lies somewhere in the middle. I think it's probably a bit Osman and a bit De Laurentiis because again, not the first player De Laurentiis has pissed off. Not the first part of this Napoli team that he's pissed off. He's alienated. Let's not forget Carlo Ancelotti was the manager of this team until he wasn't very very quickly thereafter right because he got fed up who knows exactly the dynamics of that but the point is ultimately this, there's always some drama around this team and it's it's a shame because it steals from the magic of this napoli team every single time and you're always left talking about things that you honestly don't want to be having a conversation about like you losing your star striker meaning this back up you already knowing you're losing your star striker midway a little past midway through your season difficult season right now well i mean you might as well just launch the bomb and just let it explode <laughs> in front of your face because that was it that's all that just happened if this season goes down the crapper awesomeman is not going to be looked at favorably by this fan base right if he comes back i mean mind you he scored seven goals and has two assists and his per you know per 90 minute stat is 0.63 not bad, right? It's close to Skamaka, so fine. 11 starts, 7-2. and two. Okay, fantastic. You still expect more from him, right? Much more than what he's been contributing. But the reality is, if he comes back and, and sort of goes out with a whimper, this Napoli fan base won't forget. They're definitely not going to forget this. It will leave a sour taste. However, they'll never forget last season. Like that was sure. a historic season. He was a main part of it. So I yeah. feel like they'll always hold him in a high regard, like mm -hmm. in their history. So it's tough for me to be like, yeah, they're going to like blackmail him. Like that's well, it. Like, yeah, I mean, that's a little like, far, but like, yeah, it's just, I mean, more so they're not going to exactly be like cheering this guy on next time he shows up against Napoli is more so what I'm saying. Like yeah. he's not going to hold that kind of place. I don't think. I think the longer we go away from it, mm. they Maybe. the more happy yeah. they will be about him. Like, yeah, because yeah, hopefully, like, like it was a historic season. 
of course hadn't it happened in 20 years. Like it's, mm-hmm. I get it. This season hasn't gone well. And right. that, it's something you can't have happen. You can't talk right. about it like that interview no. and say, Hey, I'm out of here. Like, uh, what are you doing? Like what? Just be like, no, like that's wait to the summer. Like tra- we're not, we're not transferring in this January window. Exactly. Like, we got a top four race to happen. Yep. They're easy, easy as that. Easy answer. Just don't answer. That's mm-hmm. easy as that. It is a very, very simple answer. There really wasn't much. Uh, he did not have to go through that. And mind you, he went on for a while too. That's yeah. the thing. And you're like, you're reading that. It's almost painful to read. I'm not even a Napoli fan and it's painful to read, right? Yeah. Uh, it, it really is a shame because Osman is undoubtedly one of the top strikers in the world. He is at this point... He scored 21 goals in 25 games for Nigeria. That's how good a player he is, right? And he's going to do far better than that. I have no doubt in my mind he's going to end up potentially breaking the record for Nigeria, right? He is that good. And nobody doubts that for a second. It's just a shame that this is how it has to come to an end. Midway through, while he's playing in AFCON, midway through while his team is is struggling. And then on top of that, Kvada is just kind of absent. I mean, I, I don't know about you, but like, you don't really hear much from or about Vada at this point. He just shows up at the games, a lot of frustration, a lot of disappointed, disappointing matches. And so you wonder, what do we see from this team for the rest of the season? Like, genuinely looking at the, the, the slate, the remaining 16 weeks, what are we seeing here? I still think they can push for top four. For me, it's just so Genuine. wide open. Like, it's just, they have the talent they can do it. Like Atalanta is a good team, but I'm not sold that they can hold off Napoli for 17 games, four points difference. Right. But the, my issue is there's just so many teams that they're going to have to hold off a lot of teams. So like That's Roma right. are three points ahead, granted with a game in hand. Fiorentina mm-hmm. are two points ahead. Uh, Lazio two points ahead. Bologna, one point ahead. Torino, one point behind. So it's like there's so many teams that are in that conversation for the top four or five spots. And I wouldn't be surprised if Napoli end up getting that four because that'll mean they figured it out. When they played Fiorentina, that they they looked very well. They very good. They finished their chances. They won three nothing. Um I said last week it definitely the three nothing probably wasn't fair, but to Fiorentina. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, they found a way, got the goals, they kept a clean sheet. Um, but I just don't think the teams in front of them are that impressive. That right. it's not like they're facing; they're trying to catch up to Inter, Juventus. Like they're not doing that, yeah, or Milan no, for that no, matter. But the other teams all have massive question marks. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, you're right. They do have an opening. Uh, there is no convincing out-and-out fourth-place holder at this point. I think it's pretty safe to say Milan are going to hold on to that third-place third spot the way they're playing. I agree. They might even sneak up on second place, uh, depending on how things play out. But, yeah, that, that is open. Uh, we'll, we'll see what plays out there. Uh, obviously, you still got plenty, plenty of points to, to go. Uh, with that said, let's focus on our uh, last match for uh, Match Day 22 here, and that's Fiorentina-Inter. A uh, fine win. 
uh, away, uh, 1-0. Lautaro Martinez scores in the 14th minute, making it 19 this season. Uh, impressive. And, uh, well, it's not without some controversy, right? Because, you know, unfortunately, Nicolas Gonzalez uh, misses a penalty opportunity to be able to create a draw, right? And they could have pulled at least a point out of this game. It's unfortunate. It's unfortunate for some. That is true. Uh, <laughs> fortunate for many. Uh, it was great. It was a great... See, there's a saying in tennis when you watch majors for players. Like, the best players, if they don't have their A game, they find a way to still win, even with their B game or their C game. Yeah. You know? And that is exactly what happened in this game. Inter's best game was not this game. They didn't play great, but they had a set-piece moment. Lataro had a good finish, um, which would have been criminal if they took that away. Like, that's just nonchalant contact. Like, yes, his arm is extended, but we see that contact every time. And if it was vice versa, like someone with that one arm on Lataro, it shouldn't be a penalty. Like, it, that's, that's how I see it. It's a corner kick. If you're calling that, there's 30 fouls on every corner kick. Um, but yeah, Summer made a good save on Nico Gonzalez. He clearly did yeah, his research because Nico mm-hmm. does that penalty all the time. Um, and multiple times, majority of the time, he has gone to that his own left side. Um, and Summer did well. He waited for Nico to make the decision and force him to hit a softer penalty and yeah, made the save. Yeah. I mean, this, uh, this game was very much so uh, for me, this was an example of exactly what you just said as well. The, the, the fact that the Sinta team, even when they're, when they're not playing at their best at all, still pulled the win out. And that says something. This is why I feel like this team's just going to run away with the league this year. Um, I think that point gap is going to get broader between uh, Juve and Inter because this team just has that tenacity, right? Clearly, they've got that that scudetto in in their in their view, and they're not losing steam here. I have to admire the Grinta, right? That that spirit, that fight through every inch of that field for that victory. And then, of course, you got to give it to Summer, right? He came up big for you guys. And he's played very well, by the way. I mean, that, that was a great, great transfer uh, decision there to get uh, Onana sent out to uh, Man U for a nice, uh, nice healthy sum there. Good return for a guy who got on the free. And then, you know, get Summer for, what was it, $6 million? Yeah. Or something like that. It's like a 44 net profit. Yeah. Gotta, gotta love that math. Gotta love that math. But... You, you got to give it up to Aslani as well. Uh, Christian Aslani did a great job uh, on, that, on that assist. Fantastic. All in all, everyone's happy. Everyone's thrilled. 54 points. Goal difference is at 40 now. Amazing, right? This is what you want as an Inter fan. Uh, I truly do see this team widening that gap. I don't think Juve can catch up. 
I think it's going to be sort of potentially like a little bit here and there, but I, I just don't see it happening. And no, no, I'm not playing Allegri mind games. <laughs> not at all. I'm not doing the whole Allegri mind games. I don't believe games, you. <laughs> no, no, genuinely no, no mind games here. I don't, I don't buy this whole Allegri press conference being like, no, the, we're not the league winners. Like it's nonsense. No, this is genuine. The way these two teams play is very different. There is a certain spark in this Inter team that I think is going to push them to the end of that. Again, it could be wrong, and I hope I am wrong, but that's just my take on that. Yeah, I certainly don't feel comfortable as an Inter fan. Like, I, this is a massive week coming up. Um, but this was a big win. Like, you didn't have DeMarco. You didn't have yeah. uh, Hakan. You didn't have Barella. You didn't have a mm-hmm. Cherby. Like, those are four. I mean, Nechiria came into the game, but those four are lock starters in your best eleven, right? And they weren't playing. So to find a way to win this game on the road, very impressive. Well done. Um, Absolutely. Like before our predictions, neither of us had Inter winning this game because we knew no. there were going to be players missing. Um, That's right. Aguso does leave a lot to be desired. Like he isn't playing <laughs> as well as I want him to be. Because I know mm-hmm. how good of a player he can be. He just isn't right. DeMarco. DeMarco is just no. so good. Um, and then Mkhitaryan is just inevitable. He That man is unbelievable. He is so good and doesn't get enough credit. So I'm just going to say it every week. He's <laughs> so good. Yeah. It's, he is. I, he is. People knock him all because yeah. he's 35 or whatever right. old he is. Like He is playing great football. And mm-hmm. a ridiculous amount of minutes for that age. But he just, every game, he shows up, puts on a very good performance. It's why Fertesi isn't playing consistent starting minutes. Um, and in possession, Fertesi leaves a lot to be desired. Like there was a moment where he just turns the ball over carelessly instead of being able to find Dumfries down the line right. and creates a chance for Fiorentina. And I feel like maybe that's a young, inexperienced thing. Yeah. But in those moments, in Skedetto races, those moments matter. People crush Radu for one mistake. He was a backup keeper. That's right. Like that, and one mistake for him. I mean, for me, that didn't decide the title, but like it's a big moment. That's, and people remember that moment. Um, Yeah, that poor guy. Very, very unfortunate. Um, yeah, very. But still, like, you can't be turning the ball over like that. And, of course, they won this game, so it doesn't matter. Like, three points are three points. That's what I've said since day one, and that's what matters. Like, this is a massive win when you didn't have your best stuff. Right, exactly. I mean, well put. The The reality is he is... The, the leader of this team. Altaro has taken the reins. He is at 19 goals. He doesn't look like he's slowing down. He is leading this team forward with Taram. And Taram, what again, just another, we're going to keep t- saying this all season, um, just how jealous I am of that pickup. Because, boy, I mean, what a player and what a combination uh, to have up top. Lethal. Absolutely lethal. I mean, just look at the goal difference. The defense has been great, obviously, right? That's part of what contributes to that. But the offense has also just been firing on all cylinders. So with that, I mean, 
we'll see where things go from from here. But um, tough performance, but you got the W, got the three points, and you did not uh, take this opportunity where Juve just essentially gave Inter the ability to just continue advancing lightly. And there we go. Inter win. With that said, there's match day 22. It's a wrap, Robbie. Wow. Can't believe we're here. Soon it'll be match day 38 and we'll be, we'll have a Scudetto winner crowned. Who will be? We don't know. That's right. Well, I mean, also just want to point this out. Radu at this point is at AFC Bournemouth. So, you know, poor guy's not yeah. doing so great. Yeah, um, that's okay. He gets a lot of heat for that. Yeah, uh, way too much, honestly. I agree. Uh, Inter screwed that season up for sure by their uh, by themselves. They didn't need him to do it. Well, one uh, note is Inter would not have won the title if he didn't do that. If that game ended one to one instead of two one, they still yeah. were not champions. So no, again, right? Didn't matter. Ultimately, nope, didn't matter. But I'm sure he's put that that behind him yeah, at sure. this point. He's no longer interested in this. <laughs> hope. But yeah, hopefully. But uh, with that, yeah, podcast episode comes to an end. This, of course, will be uh, up on a Tuesday. We will be back on Thursday with a preview episode for Mastery 23, followed by another episode of Touchline Tension, this time focusing on Milan and Pioli on Friday. So be on the lookout for those two. As always, thank you for listening, and feel free to leave a review for us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Let us know what we can do better. Uh, feel free to also let me know uh, that you know I shouldn't be a UA fan anymore, or Robbie know uh, you know why he shouldn't be a Inter fan anymore. Uh, all all welcome feedback, especially from Robbie's point of view. Um, I'm sure he's very very open to listening to suggestions there. So, thank you, and uh, we will see you back on Thursday, right, Robbie? Yes, sir. All right. See ya. Ciao. Forza Calcio.